Sunshine Coast Council acknowledges the Sunshine Coast country where this podcast was recorded, home of the Kabi Kabi peoples and Jinnabara peoples, the traditional custodians whose lands and waters we all now share. We wish to pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge the important role First Nations people continue to play within the Sunshine Coast community. This podcast deals with topics some listeners may find distressing. If you need support, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hi, I'm Caroline Hutchinson and welcome to the Sunshine Coast Council's Get Ready podcast. Throughout this series, we'll examine a variety of disasters and ways of creating a culture of disaster preparedness, response and resilience within our community. In this episode, we're looking at the importance of neighbours. Neighbours. Everybody needs good (laughs) neighbours. But in reality, do many of us have much interaction with our neighbours, apart from the odd courtesy wave as we back out of the driveway? To understand the importance of neighbourhoods in a community and how they can help build resilience to a disaster, I sat down with Timothy Burns from Sunshine Coast Council. First things first, so Tim, your role at Council is Team Leader Community Development. It is. So what does that mean? What does a day look like for you? Uh, So we exist to try to help the Sunshine Coast communities become more resilient, inclusive, accessible, equitable, connected. And so anything that we do that can support that is is what we do. And that, so that can be anything from supporting domestic family violence work, uh, can be advocacy around housing and homelessness. It can be working with young people to create youth councils. So we're speaking specifically around disasters and disaster resilience. Community is really important when it comes to disasters, isn't it? Oh, we think so. We think actually the stronger neighbourhoods are, streets are, communities are, the better we're able to actually respond to disasters. But even more to that, we're actually more capable of responding to any localised needs. So it kind of goes on the whole spectrum. So the stronger we are as neighbours, the stronger we are as streets, the better we'll be able to respond to whatever we're confronting together be that big, be that small. So if I'm someone who thinks, well, I hardly know my neighbours, what should I do? It's a good question. I think we all know how to have good neighbourhoods because most of us have actually grown up in a in a street at some time where we went, oh, we knew this, that or the other. So I think it's latent within us. One of the things council has, we have in our particular part of council, we have a thing called At Home In My Neighbourhood, which is a program and a project which is encouraging people to be neighbourly, to connect, and it has a whole bunch of resources and tips and ideas on how to stay connected, get connected, um, how to be creative with your neighbours, like all, everything like that. So how do we do it? It could be as simple as beginning to actually say hello to your neighbour as the very base level, like how often do you drive in and out of your garage and not even look around your street? But what would it look like if we just suddenly noticed people and gave a smile and a wave? And then it could be as exciting as having street parties and barbecues. It could be sitting and having a glass of wine or a beer or whatever it is on the on the front footpath with your neighbours. It could be bringing their bins in. It could be making them a cake. It, it could be a whole range of things. It can be going camping together. It can be like, have, you know, it's Christmas parties, whatever. Like there's a whole range of different things. But I think it starts with actually recognising there's people around you. Did COVID change our sense of community? I think it did and actually I think it supported it. It actually strengthened it. Some of the things we noticed uh, last year was that 
because we had a like restrictions on where we could go and there was that, that lockdown sort of space, it actually forced people to live local and to actually explore their neighbourhood. And so we had lots of feedback and I saw it personally where people walked as a family or rode bikes as a family. They stayed within their particular space. Um, there seemed to be a lot more open activity. People were more out. So people, I remember seeing neighbours that I'd never seen before and actually making connections last year with neighbours that I hadn't met. So COVID did actually impact us, but it actually impacted us for the positive, I believe, in terms of our neighbourly connections because we ended up having to see them because we were there. Our street's got a Facebook page. Yeah. It isn't that active, but sometimes when something happens, people do comment and get in touch with each other. Mm. Is that becoming more common? It is, and and we think... There's actually a lot of strength to the to the social media, and then not everybody feels comfortable on it, and not everybody is on it. But it's absolutely one tool. Like I know other streets, uh, design like do newsletters, and through COVID specifically, created a street newsletter which had recipes and stories or poems or different ideas or whatever that was put together by the street. So it can be the social media. It could just be having a list of phone numbers if you feel safe enough to give your neighbours that. Um, but it could just be old school and I'm um, actually seeing each other and creating a ritual or a rhythm that says every Sunday Arvo we we sit on the driveways and have a laugh or something. So I think they both work. Is there an area of the Sunshine Coast that you think is getting community right? Oh, that's a good question. It seems to be very different. So we ran a competition last year um, seeking who was the best COVID neighbour and I think we got over 30 kind of entries into that. And that was spread equal right across the sunny coast from down in Baringa and Narimba, in the new suburbs in Aura, Aura, right up to Coolum, up to Mullaney, Mapleton, Kennel. Like it was spread right far and wide. And um, there's been some great examples there. One really great street was in Bly Bly, cul-de-sac. They're just they are so thick as thieves. They, um, they do go camping together. They did, you know, like held a memorial last year together during COVID. I think that street is a great example for me, but you see examples of it everywhere. I just moved actually and my na- the new neighbours that we've moved in the last eight weeks, they were at our door when the removalists were moving stuff in, offering us cake. So thanks, Carol. <laughs> That's really lovely, isn't it? We lived in Twin Waters for a long time and there was only five houses in our street and we are still best mates. We raised each other's kids and um, other friends of ours used to laugh about it and say it's like a kibbutz, yeah. like all the kids are on the street all the time and it was a, it was a beautiful environment. Yeah, there's an energy to it and yeah. you kind of, I don't know, makes it feel like home, makes yeah. it feel safe too. So what about in disasters? Does that make a difference? Do you find that the more connected neighbours emotionally better prepared? Yeah, absolutely. Because in disaster, rightly, we actually look to and, and we take direction from our emergency services. Like they're the, they're, the, they're the experts in the game. But that direction and that support is only as good as when they can get it to us. And so as a community, if I know my neighbours, if we know that actually we're in a flood-prone area, if we are in an area that's at high risk of fire or whatever it is or we we know each other well enough that when a big blow comes and our roof comes off or whatever it is, if I know the people's names and we've actually got shared experience and we share vegetables or grab sugar or whatever it is in the lead-up, I don't require emergency services at that time to come and help me evacuate out of my house. So if I'm an elder, say I'm an elderly gentleman and I'm, I live alone, 
and I actually don't know my neighbours and suddenly there's a, a flood lapping at my door and my street's getting evacuated, but I don't know because I don't have Facebook, I don't listen to the radio, I'm locked in and I'm scared, but nobody knows me, then we have to wait for emergency services and that time lost could actually prove decisive. So we do know that there's a the resilience of community comes from its its connections and uh and just a, a really honest and open relationship. But that's forged in quiet peace times as opposed to war times, I guess. Yeah, so I guess the message is today, say good day to your neighbours and see if you can make a friend. Absolutely, have a cuppa, make them a cake. I might not make you a cake though, Carolyn, because I'm not so good at that. But I'll take your bin in and out. But if I'm nervous to get started with my neighbours, there is help at Council's website? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, At Home in My Neighbourhood is a project that we run. So if you go to Council's website and just search up At Home in My Neighbourhood, there's a whole page there with a whole bunch of resources and tips and ideas to help you connect well with your neighbours. So get into it. After my chat with Tim, I was fascinated by the street in Bly Bly that he'd mentioned. What made it stand out to win Sunshine Coast Council's COVID Kindness Neighbourly Stories competition? Tim passed Renita's details on and she was more than happy for us to come out for a chat. So we packed up the recording gear and headed out to Bly Bly to see what all the fuss was about. As I drove into the cul-de-sac, it was evident very quickly that this place was special. Kids were riding bikes in the street and running from house to house playing with their friends. In fact, I was surprised to learn Juanita and her husband only have one child because I had lost track of the number of kids that had come in and out of the house in the short time I was there. Juanita's house was full of neighbours that were keen to tell me about their great little community. Juanita was so warm and welcoming and I could tell everyone felt comfortable around each other and were genuinely great friends. <laughs> so Lotus Place is famous on the Sunshine Coast for being the most friendly street in the council area. Juanita, I think you're the person who put together the streets application. Why do you think Lotus Place is the best street on the Sunshine Coast? Oh, to be honest, I, I guess you've experienced it yourself. You walk in here or drive in the street and it's full of children. Everyone's out and about having a chat. Nothing's too much for anybody. We always go out the way to look after each other. It's just a great place to live. And what was the award that you won? Well, they basically just called it um, COVID Kindness and we won a a fully paid for and catered street party, but we also won a a disaster management kit. Um, So it's a huge kit that's basically suitable for a family of four that if you got the call and had to leave your house immediately, had everything in it. So everything from blow-up pillows to torches to sleeping bags to um, absolutely everything that you'd need to get you by um, if you had to weather the storm, so to speak. So, yeah, so we won that. And part of that competition was just submitting things that we have done in our street to show kindness. So there were things like um, supporting a new mum next door that had just had a bubby, so we're dropping off food to her, chalk messages on the concrete for Jack, who's our elderly neighbour that the children wrote. Uh, We had an Anzac Day dawn ceremony in the street with an ex-police officer who likes to stand out with his flag um, and be proud. Um, But also I guess one of the unfortunate things for us that happened in COVID and it hit home for us is poor Amber beside me lost her brother-in-law in in England to COVID and he was only 40. So that really rocked. 44? Yeah, rocked our world. Um, And so we had a memorial service for Steve because they obviously couldn't get home. That must have been terrible, Amber. Yes, it was very heartbreaking and it was a very hard time to go through. 
because once he went into hospital, it was just a waiting game and watching, and he got transferred from hospital to hospital and then put on the ventilator. And luckily, I had all my friends around here and my husband. But it was so special that, unfortunately, when he did pass, we all did an amazing thing. We went to Dunnethrock, and my husband made a ship because he was in the Navy with his mm-hmm. brother, and it was amazing, this wood ship, and we had pictures in it, and it was made of cardboard, and rocks in it, and it would not sink. We were there for over an hour, and it just would not sink. It was pitch black. We could just see the flame, and it would not sink. Yeah. And and that was you did that with all the Lotus Place. Yes, they all came with us and yeah. and did yeah. it, and it was very very special. And it it helped us to grieve, and because we couldn't go back to England and. And there are these are our family. These are the family we chose. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we're talking a lot about disasters, and we know that resilient communities people bounce back from disasters quicker. And that probably is something that was brought home to you mm. that uh, it was easier to cope with what had happened to your family because you were surrounded by people who loved you. Yeah, and it, it was very hard during COVID not being able to, to see each other. But luckily with the cul-de-sac, we could all sit outside our houses <laughs> and we sat in the middle and we could still talk or shout yeah. at each other. Yeah. But we were all being COVID safe and, and stuff. So it, they were still there for us. Yeah. You know, even if they couldn't give us that hug or that thing, we were, we were all together, which yeah. really helped. Now, Graham, how many children do you have? Four. And you're not even the biggest family in Lotus Place. Not anymore. (laughs) We got knocked off that perch recently. We now have another five children in the street, Yeah. uh, two of which are teenagers, but the the older boys actually do play with the younger ones and are quite responsible for the younger siblings, which is great to see. Now, I'm hearing on the grapevine that you are dead to all in the street, that you try to help out where you can and you get lots of um, hands-on dead stuff done. I guess so. You do. If you're hearing that, it must happen. <laughs> so someone, I'll take credit. <laughs> we need it. Someone's going to have to speak to him. What sort of things can we rely on Graham for? Oh, absolutely anything, whether it's just watching the kids in the street so you can duck in and check on dinner and make sure they're safe or um, coming and helping me with a flooded washing machine if the hubby's away or any of those crazy things that happen. Um, Graham's always there. He's literally out in the street most of the time. So I, I'd like to confirm Graham does work. I can see that you're in work, yes. clobber. Yes. So, like, Yes, I do a full-time job. Yeah, that's right. Not available to the street all no, day, every day. But no. Yeah. no. He has done a few kitchens in our street of, yeah. of recent times. Yeah, and I've worked at about half the houses in the street now. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. That. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, all right then. Now, Andrew, you are the one who has been accused of being the mayor of Lotus Place. How long have you lived here? <laughs> no, it wasn't me. Uh, so how long have you lived here? Uh, 2004. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, so 15 or 16 years. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, what what do you think makes Lotus Place different from other places that you and your family have lived? Wow, big question. Um, well, most definitely the reason why we're here is the communal uh, behaviours of everyone. So um, we're all... F- don't get emotional. Oh, <laughs> the mask getting a tear on. Yeah. I think because we're all friends, you know, we, we don't just socialise in our cul-de-sac. We go camping together. We're going to Lady Oaks Day next week. We do other things outside of our circle, go see concerts and stuff, but mm. camping is most of our passions and we do that as mm. often as we can. Well, I suppose obviously we've, we've, also, we've got our close-knit group, but we've got our 
greater Lotus Place friends. Mm. So it's not like we don't know anyone. So yeah, everyone. That, every, everyone we, feels we, included if they want to be. Yes, exactly. But, but, they, but there are some people who participate more or less. Well, obviously because they've come from uh, their different demographic or age or what have you. Like Jack and Beryl, we, we all know and care for them greatly, but they're they're obviously not going camping with us. No. Yeah. <laughs> but they do always come out for the Christmas party. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. Party yeah well, that's year. it. And uh, Beryl make her uh, chocolate spiders or yes. what yeah. have you and, yeah, every Christmas, yeah. That, that's beautiful, isn't it? Uh, and so are you disaster ready as a, as a community? I mean, you've won this disaster emergency kit. Yes. But yeah. is, is that something? Do you help each other out in times of crisis? Absolutely. Well, it was just a couple of days ago that I was out the front washing my car and an ambulance pulled in and the tradie let me know it was here. And I knew it was going to Jack or Beryl's because they tend to have that quite regularly. And Jack was having trouble with breathing. So he went off in an ambulance and we went over and and checked on Beryl and just made sure that she was okay. Um, But previously, uh, we had a a dad living in our street um, with two young children, a single dad. And he sent, you were actually here, Graham. I was out on a girls' night at a movie. Graham was here with my husband. And the 10 year old came over to alert us that dad was having a heart attack. And you got to him just in time, didn't you? Yeah, we went over. He was. He was moaning because he he's obviously was in a lot of pain, and um, so yeah, Troy, wanting husband, was trying to look after him. I got straight on the phone, and I made a little bit of a hiccup about his age. They're trying to ask me what his name was and all the rest of it. How old are you, Dash? Forty-four. I'm thirty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dash. <laughs> yeah, we got him off in the ambulance and. Um, yeah, we all sort of pitched in with the girls to try and make sure yeah. they were taken care of while he was We away. had to house them for the weekend while he was in hospital. Yeah. We didn't know them overly well. Um, and then we all got in and helped clean up his house and put food in the freezer and fridge and, yep. yeah, just made it ready for when he got back. So it's a, it's a beautiful story and it's really important and I think that in 2021 there are less and less communities like this. Uh, Amber, you, you know, coming from England, are your family in England shocked that you've got such a close-knit bunch of neighbours? Um, yeah, mostly, but I am from a military background, so I grew up in Germany and we were very different. We were very community-orientated over there, but in England it's very different. Actually, I said that and then I realised that you probably grew up watching Neighbours. You think every street in Australia is like this. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather watch Home and Away. But, yeah. <laughs> but on a nicer note, we, we come together to do things like build fences. You know, we all just, somebody buys a crate who needs a fence and we help with the fence. Yeah. Or, you know, we need some trees removing, we go around and do that. And, you know, some well, people did... are getting too old, we need to help them. Oh, <laughs> oh what's that Is that the mayor of Lotus Place? <laughs> You're really copying but, it. Uh, <laughs> but I will actually add to that because there has been um, no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, about seven communal fences built. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So, and it's by labour. And uh, material costs. Yeah. <laughs> Labour and love. Labour and love. Remember yeah. the caravan it's had out the front as well yeah. of my yeah. place. We had a digger and everyone worked for like yeah. the entire weekend because we bought a caravan and had nowhere to put it. So they turned my sloping front yard into literally a, a caravan pad. So whether you can offer half an hour or, or half a day. If you're making the sandwiches or yeah. swinging a hammer, 
Oh, yeah. exactly, because there's been sausage rolls and spring rolls made. When yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. That's what I'm interested in. That's right, exactly. Oh, that, that, that is beautiful stuff. It's a really, uh, you uh, have got each other's backs in Lotus Place. That's Definitely. Sure. Yeah. Always. I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and think, I want to live in Lotus Place, but maybe you started out thinking, I want a great community too. What, how do you break the ice with your neighbours? Hmm. For sure. A beer. Absolutely. Uh, Just just that open door attitude. Uh, Look, obviously that's not going to work if you're not the sort of person that will have uh, one or maybe two afternoon beers, even if it was just a Thursday or Friday afternoon. But that actually makes a difference. It's actually sharing some cheese and bickies. Um, wh- so whatever. the the first ter- person, the first time drinks happened in your street, did someone just go outside holding a beer, and then someone else came outside and they grabbed a beer, and that's how it happened. That's kind of the way it happened. Like I moved in ten years ago, and I was cutting the lawn, brand new, been in the house maybe two days, and my next door neighbour gave me a glass of wine, and then another neighbour came out and he had a beer and you just started chatting, and it was that social communication, and it was beautiful because we'd not had that before. And moving to a new country, we were terrified and didn't know how to make friends or who to make friends with. And moving into this cul-de-sac was the best thing we ever did. Mm. Yeah. And before you know it, you got six lots of people with platters and nibbles and things. At least as, as a medium, I suppose, having a, a, an afternoon drink on a Friday or, you know, during summer was one thing. But I don't think it's a be-all and end-all necessarily. It was just the way it happened for us. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just going out, Carolyn, and knocking on the door and saying, hi, welcome to the neighbourhood. Like when our newlyweds moved in recently, we all went over and helped unpack their white goods and they were like, who are these people? Like, well, like, welcome to the street. But that's what you yeah. do. You just say hi, knock on the door and say, hey, you know, introduce yourself. What have you got to lose? I know I did that when we first moved in here. My dog got out like several weeks later and the neighbours popped the dog back for me. But had I not made that effort to introduce ourselves as a family, then who knows where that our dog might have ended up. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it can be hard because you don't want to get inside people's faces, but, you know, being outside, holding a beer, trimming your plants on a Friday afternoon is not a bad way to start, is it? And you just see if someone responds. Absolutely. And it's before you know it. and relaxed. And yeah. Before you know it, there's 20 of us sitting on the deck or standing out in the street watching the children ride their bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Which just... makes it a lot easier, like having the children all playing out there. Somebody, you obviously need parents out there supervising, so it sort of almost forces that social interaction because mm. otherwise you're just standing around like a bunch of awkward Muppets just watching kids not talking to each other. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it's so amazing that we have kids from 2 all the way up to 16 and they'll all be out there playing spotlight and playing tag, and you never see that anywhere else. That such a wide range mm. age group playing together, mm. yeah. and that is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they look out for is. each other. And well, I'm sure at school I, they do. I've that. managed to uh, be here through generation two, yes. mm. so my children are of older, but I saw the you know spotlight chasey and all the rest of it. Some time ago. So it was, yeah. it's always been a bit of a thing. But I'm sure that your grown-up children still feel really warm about Lotus oh, Place and growing up here. 100%. Yeah. Well, they babysat our children as our children grew. Yes. Yeah, they did, yeah. teenage babysitters. Yeah, yeah. that's right, built in. <laughs> and I understand there's a Facebook group for Lotus Place. Um, what's it called? <laughs> it's 
Lotus Drinkers. Lotus Drinkers. <laughs> but it is. It's a messenger. <laughs> it's, a, it's, but it's got an important message. It's sure. not a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a group of such. It's just a, yeah. a Just a chat. It's yeah. a messenger yeah. chat. But it goes off all day long. Yes. And there's weird and wonderful videos that come through and people that have come into our group and left our group that are still in contact and we still connect with them and catch up with them even though they've left the cul-de-sac they're still part of the family yeah and we also have people like uh rod over the back fence of try house who's part of the group but doesn't live on the street but he backs on to somebody that does yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, we call him technically a lotus place yeah. <laughs> and of course conveniently parks the ladder at the back fence so he doesn't need to walk around he just oh, across that's the fence. right well, that's and, right. and his the corner of his place goes onto mine so oh, right. we're, we're Considering putting a rotunda yeah. at that intersection of the fences. I just feel like whoever backs on to Rod at the back fence, we could get them in too. Like, no, 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 no. Lotus Drinkers can really grow. No, no. Oh, is that right? No. no. But like, Andrew has um, the only pool in the street. So his, you know, summer, we're all at Andrew's or, or at least, place. Or at least amongst our, uh, yeah, no, in the street. Yeah, yeah you so do. Yeah, You've okay. got kids yeah. of all ages splashing yeah. about in your pool yeah. and you're in there with oh, them look, blowing, um, blowing crazy sounds underwater and making them all laugh. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I really do. Um, and it's part of bringing back the 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 youth, or, well, rather the experience I had with my children was to have other uh, children, well, at least the children, my friends, come and have, have a good, fun and have a good time. Yeah, yeah feel, really feel a sense it. of community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and most of us don't have family here, Carolyn. No. Like most of us have got family interstate or overseas, so we're each other's family, which is great. If you need something, it doesn't matter whether it's day or night. Andrew will pop across mm. and grab sauce, or I'll go across somewhere else and and borrow an egg. There's just yeah, yeah everyone's. Yeah. Bloody He's got that open door home. Yeah, oh cornflower goes around the level. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm the same. So, like, my family's Melbourne. Amber, obviously, yours is on the opposite side of the earth. Um, and Juanita and Troy, you guys are uh, New Zealand. So we are our family. We know neighbourhoods that are aware of their risks in a disaster and connected to their local community are more likely to be able to respond and quickly recover to the new normal of day-to-day living when disaster strikes. Our local communities are an important source of assistance to individuals and communities prior to, during and post-disaster or emergency event. There are many ways you can create connections with your neighbours, but please remember to keep COVID-19 restrictions in mind. Reach out and check on your neighbours and assist those who might be isolated or unable to cope, especially older neighbours. Join or start a community or neighbourhood page on social media. Walk around the neighbourhood and say g'day when you see your neighbours. A smile and a wave could be the start of a new friendship. Take the initiative and plan a neighbourhood gathering or project. Offer to help your neighbour with a job around the house or garden or offer to share your skills. Drop off a letter or card if your neighbour has been unwell or is having a tough time welcome new neighbours by introducing yourself and perhaps take over a bunch of flowers or a pot plant, anything inexpensive and cheerful. You can visit the At Home In My Neighbourhood page on Sunshine Coast Council's website for more great ways to connect with your local area. To learn more about all types of disasters and emergencies, visit Council's Disaster Hub website, disaster.sunshinecoast.qld.gov.au. 
It's your one-stop shop to find the latest updates, practical resources and what to do before, during and after an emergency. Sunshine Coast Council's Get Ready podcast is hosted by Caroline Hutchinson. Recording and production by Josh Newth. Didgeridoo played with the acknowledgement of country by Kerry Neal. Special thanks to our guests, Timothy Burns, Andrew Mortimer, Amber Linham, Graham McCurl and Juanita Bellhouse.